Welcome to Dharma Glimpses, an introduction to the profound treasury teachings of Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, taught by Judy Leaf. In this episode, Judy continues with her exploration of ego in Buddha Dharma. Welcome. I'd like to continue a discussion of ego and egolessness. Uh, it's a topic that uh, warrants a number of discussions because it's so important and so easy to misinterpret. I think one kind of point of solidifying our sense of separateness from others is it can get us off the hook in a way. We can claim we're not responsible for so many of the uh, problems that arise. You know, that's not my problem. I didn't do that. But the teaching of equallessness is that we're all responsible. We're all interconnected. So if we're going to complain about all the problems in the world, we have to kind of turn a mirror back on ourselves that we are part of it, no matter what we think, no matter how pure we would like to be. We all contribute to the collective reality that seems to be the realm in which we move about. So fundamentally, when you think of who you are, you think of ego, you think of self, a lot of times that amounts to thinking of the body, body form, you know, our physical form. I, my body is not the same as your body. That's very clear. In fact, my body is not the same as my body yesterday or tomorrow either. In fact, it's not the same body as when I was an infant and it's not the same body as I'll be when I'm 90. It's not that solid even at that level. The form, the most solid part of ourselves, our physicality, which we, uh, hold to, we think we have we're one body, we're one physical form, but we're not. The form is constantly changing, even on a literal level. The organs we have, the skin we have, the uh, bones we have, the teeth we have, all of the eyes we have, none of that is uh, solid uh, and uh, ongoing. Uh, it is a process. You could say one way of talking about egolessness is going from a sense of things to movement, recognizing that all everything is movement, everything is in process, everything is a falling away and a fresh emerging. Every aspect of reality, from large scale, the earth, the solar system, to the smallest scale, the atoms, the uh, cells of the body, the every aspect of our so-called solid form our bodies, which we so covet and hold so dear and protect so fiercely nurture and care for. So that's this fundamental, my body as opposed to every other body. And you could say, okay, there are all these bodies, these animals and plants and all sorts of different kind of people, different ages and types. So within all those millions of bodies, you know, what's the deal about this particular one? Why is it so important? Why is me, this body, so important relative to everyone else and everything else? Well, that's the uh, the crux of the matter in some ways, focusing on this one aspect of things and protecting it and feeling threatened by anything that challenges it. A kind of a struggle. That immediate, that very first step of duality creates a quality of ongoing struggle. And having something to protect, having something that's threatened, draining all sorts of energy to promote and establish and kind of prop up uh, because deep down we know it's not as solid as it seems. We're not as solid as we think. We just aren't. 
So to pretend we are takes tremendous psychic energy and all sorts of razzmatazz, you could say. So from this point of view, the ego altogether is a construct. And from the point of view of the Buddhism, it's a construct. It is a construct that is not all that useful. In fact, it's kind of a drag. This kind of construct, because it is created, manufactured, sense of uh, ongoing solid independent self, because we've constructed it, it can be removed, so to speak. It's removable. It's workable. So even though so much of the teachings point to ego as problem to be overcome, at the same time, there's a sense that it's not as a, a bit of a paper tiger. It's not as harmful as it makes out. It's not as necessary as it makes out. We have all sorts of things we think are so necessary, and how many of them really are, if you think about it. And ego is a prime example of that. It's that sense of inflexibility and always needing to struggle to hold things together somehow. So there's a very simple breakdown of components we might try to kind of gather together or shove together or coordinate together to come up with what we call ourselves or our ego. On a real fundamental level, there's two components which are talked about in all sorts of different ways in different cultures. There's the body, the physicality, and the consciousness or the mind. And the separation of the body and mind has been a a real problematic and much explored challenge in a lot of Western thought. In in this case, uh, body and mind are considered a completely interdependent unitary system. We can talk about different components, but it's really one big thing, interconnected assortment of perceptions and activities and, and responses and uh, catalysts. The initial uh, split between self and others is like putting a fence across a vast snowy field, uh, dividing me and mine, I and you, self and other, friend and foe, and it goes on and on. We have self and others, and other things naturally flow from that. And this is talked about in terms of five components, uh, or in the traditional texts, these are called five heaps that the Ego, what we call ego or self, is is a bunch of heaps of things put together. Heaps, five of them. So from this initial separation, once we're on one side of the fence and there's another side, then we have some sense of, are we see something as positive, as negative, or as neutral? As the other side of the fence, are there aliens out to conquer us? Are there enticing things over there? What is going on? What is happening on this other side? We have a feeling, feeling of some sort about everything. And in some ways, it's biological, makes sense. We have to sort out. We have to kind of figure out. This is a positive direction, negative direction, or something that can easily be ignored as kind of background, positive or negative feelings about things. So we just get a sense of that. And that's natural. We have all sorts of uh, senses like that arise we, all the time, almost. Everything has kind of a feeling tone to it along those lines. And what that leads to as a uh, next step is, well, 
we're drawn towards what is positive and we flee from what is negative. We, we start grasping onto the territory around us is desirable. We try to extend our fence in that direction. If it's a threat, we put up our blockades, uh, build moats or, or whatever we do to protect ourselves. So we're, we're led to um, by these feelings that arise to actions of acquisition or rejection pushing away and pulling in. We're constantly pushing and pulling our experiences in, trying to uh, kind of choreograph our world according to uh, our own desires. So the simple noticing of positive or negative things quickly leads to aggression, pushing away, rejecting, or drawing in, uh, building territory one way or the other. So it's very obvious and natural progression that comes about all based on that first split, that first dualistic split. And going further, there's um, a kind of an efficiency mechanism we develop uh, through memory and through concepts and understanding. So we don't have to figure out over and over again that uh, I like this person, I don't like that person, I like this thing, I don't like that thing. We've got to put it in our uh, list we've are categorized and filed it away so we don't have to really react freshly we can just react to our concepts and this has to do with the kind of preconceptions we develop where we're really not responding to external stimulus at all really we're just responding to internal predetermined sense of things and that's the the role of concept is very um you know it's efficiency mind we don't have to 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 over and over figure out that we like basil, but we don't like cilantro or whatever it is. So this process of ego, the components of ego, uh, going back to the beginning with just a sense of physical form and separation, goes on through feelings and of positive or negative into grasping or rejecting, and then creating concepts to uh, kind of bundle the world in a way that's predictable and. Uh, manageable. And this all culminates, the subtle fulfillment of the whole process is a fifth step, which is called consciousness. And it's interesting that this fifth step uh, is very much uh, what is uh, worked with in meditation practice. And so we'll talk about that in, in some of the meditation talks in this series, the um, subtle fulfillment of the process. So the idea of consciousness is, in this case, refers to kind of a, a fuzzy mind, a fuzzy mind that is at the mercy of random uh, thinking process, the impulses and um, stimulus of the various sense perceptions, and kind of a subtle, you could say a subtle fuzzy stream of sense of self. A sense of self is that kind of deep down thing that when you're confronted, you push your hand into your chest and say, me, my, the sense of self that kind of, kind of clouds over every experience is kind of marked by this uh, subtle acquisition of everything into some kind of a construct project, construction project. So you could say the process altogether we're talking about here is the ongoing creation and recreation and recreation of territory and the ongoing struggle of extending territory, protecting territory, and pushing away uh, any threats to the so-called solidity of this sense of ego altogether. 
So Eagle is a, a project. It's a project we're very invested in. It's a project that needs to be fueled and fed all the time. It's a project that's always under threat because sort of we know, uh, you could say, at some level, we, we suspect that it's not such a solid world as we think. It's not, we're not so solid as we think. And I think there's also a subtle suspicion that there's much more to life than this ego project, this ego construct. And that is what, that question is what's being explored in some ways in the Buddhist path. Is there more to life than just continuing this particular protective defensive stance against the world? So, that's the question, and that's what we're exploring. Thank you for joining me for this glimpse of Dharma. This podcast is made possible through the support of the Hamera Foundation. To learn more about Judy Leaf's teachings, publications, and retreats, or to contribute to the support of this podcast, please visit judyleaf.com. Dot com.